Today's episode is brought to you by Campo Electric. Campo Electric specializes in commercial work for now over 10 years. From service contracting to strip malls to restaurants, they do it all. Campo Electric also specializes in residential electrical work. From service work to remodeling to new construction. If you are looking to add lighting, receptacles, phone jacks, cable jacks, sound, security systems, or anything else to your home, their specialized electricians can take care of you. If you dream it, they can do it. Check out Campo Electric in Kakana, Wisconsin for your electrical needs. And tell Nick and the team that Bad Human sent you. Hi, True Crime family. I'm your host, K-Mac. And I'm the answer. And this is Bad Human, a true crime podcast where we discuss those humans who reside at the bottom of the morality bell curve. Before we start today, we'd like to give a quick shout out to those of you who have taken the time to submit a review or provide us feedback directly. Mel P54 says, F yeah, best true crime podcast ever. The storytelling is amazing and the duo really plays well off each other. Listen and subscribe. Thanks, Mel. Thank you, Mel P54. True Crime Sleuth says, obsessed. Love this podcast. These two are hilarious yet convey a serious enough tone to ensure the crime and the victims are taken seriously. Subscribed. Boom. Rob BDE from Arizona. Who taught this chick how to speak? I can run faster than she talks and I haven't worked out in 10 years. I get it. Anyone else feel like they want to say today, Junior? All right. Well, Rob, <laughs> I'm, la- I'm laughing. My feelings aren't hurt because, first of all, when you go in the podcasting, you're not allowed to have feelings because <laughs> you're going to hear it anyways. I, I, I'm laughing because I agree. My husband can tell you I'm a perfectionist and I've been listening back to our previous cases and I'm very critical of the cadence that I speak and the fact that I abuse the word horrific. And also actually like and so. <laughs> Those who know me know I'm a super fast talker. So this has been me trying to find that in the middle. But Rob, you and your big dick energy and I are going to get through this together. So we're going to find a happy medium. I'm going to make you a fan. And Rob, we're in this together. All feedback is a gift. So thank you, Rob, for taking the time. <laughs> and hey, if she doesn't do well enough, you can always turn up the speed to one and a half. Thank you, honey. Also, if you leave a review and we like positive reviews, also constructive, it makes us better, and we read it on an upcoming podcast, you could win some bad human swag. We have some hoodies, t-shirts. Who doesn't love a free hoodie or t-shirt? Are you kidding me? Everybody loves a hoodie. Everyone needs like a 20th t-shirt that's in the drawer in their dresser that they don't touch. And then every year they're like, oh, I should donate this, but one day I'm going to wear it and then you don't. Help us help this podcast. That's right. The case I have for you today involves doomsday cults, child zombies, missing children, potential life insurance scams, and multiple suspicious deaths. Wow, a full handful of things. This, my true crime family, my lovelies, is the case of Lori Vallow Daybell, the doomsday mom. Kylie Ryan and J.J. Vallow disappeared in September of 2019. This is recent. They were initially reported missing by concerned relatives when they did not hear from either of the children for weeks. 
What started as a potential missing children's case would end with their very own mother, Lori Vallow Daybell, and their stepdad, Chad Daybell, on trial for murder after a wild goose chase across the U.S. This would end with human remains found in a supposed pet cemetery, a doomsday scenario, and family secrets uncovered. I went down a dark rabbit hole on this case. This is, this shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. And so sad in the end. It's always disturbing when there are children who are victims. And then we have other victims in addition mm. to the children. So it's all, that's a sad regardless. It's also really sad to see how susceptible as human beings we are to cult brainwashing and how you can completely change as a person mm. based on how you allow yourself to be immersed into the belief system. I do think that as we go through this, there are characteristics and traits that people have that make them probably more susceptible to brainwashing and cult mentality. And I also apologize in advance for the length of this episode. <laughs> probably going to be two because the amount of information I came across as I was researching this fucked up story. And part of what drew me to this is A, it's an active case. B, as I was trying to read through it, there's a lot of information to decipher and pull together. And part of this podcast is us wanting to make these cases digestible and easy to follow and bring all that information together in a package with a bow for you all who are listening. Yeah, that way then you don't have a homework assignment when you're trying to f decipher this whole this thing. This was out. some connect the dot shit, like for sure. Um, like left field and over to right. You will never be the same again. So, <laughs> so get your notepads ready. That's right. Our story starts with the main character of the case. Well, the villain of the case, Lori Vallow Daybell. Lori was born Lori Noreen Cox on June 26, 1973 in San Bernardino, California. She was one of three. She has two brothers, Adam and Alex. They'll both come into the story later. One great person, the other shit stain on humanity. They were raised in the LDS church. And what I read was she was very religious. Like her whole family was religious, but okay. she took this shit to the next level. She was also gorgeous. We'll talk about later. She entered some beauty competitions. Gorgeous, gorgeous blonde. However, seeing her now, that prison makeup. Not as good, huh? Go natural, You need girl. some prison wine to make that go look good? Go natural. Don't be using those Kool-Aid packets as lipstick. It's not working. In 1992, at the age of 19, Lori married her high school boyfriend, Nelson, but the marriage ended in divorce, so Britney Spears, Jason Alexander style. Like what, 48 hours? You blink and you missed it. Her second marriage was at age 22 when she married 23-year-old William Lagoja, I think is his name. Apologies if I'm Goja. mispronouncing that. And they were living in Travis County, Texas. That was in 1995. Her and Travis had a son together, Colby. However, her and Travis would divorce in February of 1998. So blink and miss it in a three-year marriage. Here we go. On to marriage three, because third time is a charm. She wants that free sub. And that's her, that punch card girl, that matrimonial punch card. Here we go. Give you me keep a, finding these punch card girls. Give me that six inch. I want cases. the six inch. Well, that sounds bad to say. I want the six inch. Give me the six inch of what? Mm. You know. In 2001, Lori married Joseph Anthony Ryan Jr., who will go by Joe for this story. Joe legally adopted Colby. So okay. her son from the previous marriage. And Lori and Joe also had a couple, or a daughter named Tylee, who was born in 2002. Oh. While married to Joe, Lori entered the Mrs. Texas competition. Uh oh. 
Yeah. Which I watched the competition, and one of the questions she was asked was, how do you balance everything in life? And she made a comment that said, and this is talking about foreshadowing, that it's really hard to be a mom. It's really stressful trying to balance life. And I feel like I'm just a ticking time bomb. <laughs> yeah. Did she win? No, she did oh, not. Oh, my God. Not that I could tell. I thought with that answer, she'd be sure fine. She did look beautiful, though. I mean, I'll give her that. They all do. She also went on Wheel of Fortune. Hey. She had told a friend that God had told her. He had foreshadowed that she would be on the show. What he did not foreshadow was the answers because she didn't win. <laughs> so maybe next time, God, let's bring that to the finish did, line. Did, did she do what my brother hates and buy a vowel? I don't know. I should probably do whatever God told her. But Initially in the marriage, Joe was very kind and sweet, but then things started to take a turn. He became a real asshole to Colby, and eventually Lori and Colby would leave Joe. After they left, Colby would share with his mother Lori that Joe, trigger alert, after they left, Colby shared with Lori that Joe had sexually abused him. Her response, and this is part of the Sins of the Mother uh, Netflix special that's really good. If you're trying to find a way to help package this together, it's, it's a really great documentary. It does a good job, I think, of telling the story in a digestible way. Colby talked about this, and he said that Lori didn't really respond at all. It was just numb and indifferent, which led him to almost take on some of that guilt and shame. Oh, that's which the worst. It is never your fault. If you are a survivor, because I don't even think victim, you are a strong person to survive that. You are not a victim. If you are a survivor, it is never your fault. Just know that. Never. Friends did share that Lori had shared with them. She was a victim of domestic abuse as well. She's never commented on it from what I could find, so it's hearsay. This was when she really started to turn to the church. And we're talking zero to 100. As I said earlier, she'd always been very religious. She was raised in the LDS home. She stated upon finding out about Joe's potential abuse, she wanted to kill him and went to her bishop to help her find peace because she didn't want to murder him. Mm, interesting. Well, where was that peace down the road when we get to it? Joe was the one who filed from divorce from Lori in 2004, and it was finalized in May of 2005. Interesting. In Very 2007, Joe was attacked by Lori's brother, Alex. What? So at the beginning, yeah. I mentioned yeah. she had two brothers, Adam and Alex. One good, one evil. It's like some Cain and Abel shit here. Just wait, but yeah. was attacked by Alex. So this is two years after their divorce. Alex attacked him, claiming Joe had abused Lori and Colby. Okay. Alex is going to grace us with his presence later. So we're going to put a pin in him for right now, but he's going to keep coming back like a disease. Alex tasered Joe in the balls and threatened to murder him. Oh, my God. Alex pled guilty and was sentenced to 90 days in jail. Although, a nice touch with the taser to the balls. On to four. Here we come, marriage four. <gasps> this is when the story kicks in. Two away. Two away to the sub. Enter Charles Vallow. After being single and struggling a bit, Lori met Charles Vallow. People said Charles was a wonderful man. They were a great couple. Charles was successful. He was a, a minor league baseball player, retired minor league baseball player, financially stable. On February 24th, 2006, Lori and Charles were married in Vegas. Now, Charles was a lifelong awesome. Catholic, but he converted to the Church of Latter-day Saints to accommodate his wife's faith. Okay. Well, that was very nice of him. 
Charles had two sons from a previous marriage, Nicholas and Zachary. And people describe their marriage as appearing again to be very happy, very mm-hmm. pleasant. They lived a pretty normal life. In 2013, Lori and Charles adopted Charles' grandnephew, Joshua Jackson, J.J. Vallow. Okay. And J.J. immediately took this highly and looked up to her. It was a very sweet bond. Aww. We have Charles, which I always think of Charles in charge. Of <laughs> our days and, and our nights. And his two sons. You have Lori and her daughter, Tylee, and son, Colby, and now JJ. So we have this happy Brady Bunch thing forming. There we go. Was the youngest one in curls? Around this time, you know, I just sometimes keep talking when you say things. I just don't. <laughs> that's not editing. That's just me literally ignoring what he's saying. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good question. In 2014, Lori stated a voice had told her to move to Hawaii. So they moved there. Whose voice doesn't tell them to move to I would to like a voice to tell me to move to Ireland. <laughs> that would be amazing. And then give me the money to do it. While <laughs> living in Hawaii, Tylee's friends would come visit, and they said Lori was a great mom. Their home was very inviting. People who met Lori while she was living in Hawaii at the church branch that she was a part of said she was nice, and it seemed on the outside they had the perfect marriage. So just like social media, the life looks fantastic mm-hmm. behind the curtain. It's like a fucking shit show. But you're living in Hawaii. How can anything be bad? I mean, you just it's gorgeous every day. Well, Lori would share off the record with a close friend. She felt Charles was her spiritual anchor and was pulling her down. She was wicked pissed. Like She felt Charles was dead weight when it came to the religion, that he would never be at her level. He was, he was just sinking the ship. The Jesus ship she, was going she, down. She can't keep her feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars? I don't get it. Oh, my God. Casey Kasem. Well, I feel like she thought Charles was reaching for the stars and hitting the power line. <laughs> just. <laughs> just, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. She also told a woman the angels had spoken to her. And Lori said the angel Maroney had come to her, which I had to look this up because I didn't know who yes, the angel I, Maroney was. What is this? The angel Maroney is an angel whom Joseph Smith, who was the founder of the LDS church, reported as having visited him on numerous occasions. Okay. So she's stating that the same angel that visited this prominent figure in her religion also visited her. Small world. To be clear, I was born Catholic and then converted just to Christianity because I didn't agree with that. So I'm not trying to butcher the LDS church during this story. I just wasn't raised in it. So yeah, apologies just, to anybody who is a part of the church if you feel like we're being disrespectful. We don't mean to me. It's just we don't. I'm disrespecting understand. the shithead's actions, not the religion itself. Exactly. Around 2015, so they moved to Hawaii in 2014. Around 2015, while living in Hawaii still, Lori read Chad Daybell's series of books called Standing in Holy Places and became obsessed with the books. We'll talk about Chode. Wait, what? Oh, okay. (laughs) In a minute. I was like, is that his name? This guy is a psycho. We'll get to that in a second. So just, again, just like Alex is going to come back Mm -hmm. later as more of a figure, her brother. Okay. Chad clearly is going to come back too. So just Alex and Chad. Just hold on to that. We'll come back to it. In 2016, so now the seed has been planted in Lori's brain about Chad because of the book she's read. She's really left the station when it comes to this spiritual journey. She decides it's time for the family to move back to Arizona. In 2016, the Vallos pack up. They leave beautiful Hawaii and head back to Arizona. After moving back to Arizona, her brother Alex became far more prominent in their lives. He started hanging out at her house all the time. 
They started listening to religious podcasts together. She would also at this time befriend someone named Melanie Gibb through the church, and they would start a podcast together called Feel the Fire. Ooh. ooh if you la la. haven't heard it, don't. <laughs> if you haven't heard it, good. It is ridiculous. And they talk like that SNL skit, like, hot mic, check, check. Oh. Check. I love your sweaty balls. The tone of their voice will lull you to sleep. But the fact they're talking about like damnation and burning in hell, oh, yeah. you know, it's you kind of a mind. And yeah. you will burn forever. Yeah, it's really hard to relax. The, the yeah. voice is like very soft and calm, but the topic is fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> in the fall of 2018, Lori and her friend Melanie, and, and Lori, Melanie, and Alex, her brother, become this trio of terror. Lori and her friend Melanie attended a Preparing a People event. It's a doomsday prepper event. Let's call it what it is. Where Lori finally met Chad for the first time. Oh. She's read his books, obsessed with what he's had to say, and now she gets to meet the, the man, the flesh, in real person. The fangirl, like yep. going all out. According to Melanie, by the end of the weekend, Chad had told Lori the two had been married in seven previous lifetimes. <laughs> not, not, not five, not six, Listen, seven. Chode shot his shot. He <laughs> did. Here we go. He shot for the moon. That's right. The two Honey, soon we've began... been married in three previous lifetimes. I know we haven't. <laughs> the two soon began a private communication. Wait, the what? texts are fucking disgusting. So Lori and Chad started texting each other. They had pet names for each other. They used mm. old Victorian romance novel names. Ooh. I'm not going to go into detail. I don't want to make anybody sick. Give me a name. I don't want to make anybody sick. But if you want, if you're interested in that, you can Google that yourself. Dear Penthouse Forum. Several. No, it was like, dear, my dearest Victoria. <laughs> That's why I want to know the names that they're calling each other. It's gross. At least one. We've given it too much time. Several weeks after their initial meeting, Lori's husband, Charles, left town to go on a business trip, and Lori held an intimate overnight gathering at her home. In attendance were both Melanie and Chad. That's a given. Chad was in Mesa, which isn't too far from where she was living at a speaking conference, and so she decided to throw this <laughs> cult slumber party just and have everyone over to the crib. Melanie would later recall Chad lavishing Lori with a ton of attention really like taking this shit serious about his religious beliefs and the deeper mysteries of God. And they had this small group stay overnight, which where are the kids? Yeah. Honey, go upstairs. Mommy's having a, <laughs> the world is ending slumber party, don't, but if Domino's gets here, make sure you tip the driver. Don't come to the basement. Yeah. According to Melanie, Chad stated that he had lived 31 different lives on various earth like planets. Oh, he referred to others, and this is very important what I'm about to say. He referred to others as light and dark and various gradations between. So he thought every person was either light or dark. Chad okay. believed the dark individuals were from this earth but were followers of Satan. He believed those were light were followers of Jesus Christ. And Chad thought he could read somebody and then give them if they were light or dark. And then where they fell on the spectrum of this. Chad referred to Lori as an internal being of 21 separate lives. So she's had 21 separate lives. Only five have been on this planet. And they were together in seven. Correct. 
Lori was thrilled and attracted to this belief system. I would be too. Yeah, thirty-three percent like, chance hey. for her, twenty-five for him. Yeah, listen, you're—I mean, you're godlike. I'm like, I'd be drinking the Kool-Aid on this too. Like, great. Where do we put on our white sneakers and hop behind a comet? Let's, let's rock this shit. She became. Shout, shout out to Elrond. Yeah, all right, seriously. Let's do this. All right, Haley. He's comet. got sneakers. When you coming back? When you coming back? I got my Nikes on. She became increasingly fixated on this newfound purpose and on oh chat. now it's so a purpose so we're obsessed now shortly after the slumber party <laughs> on the morning of october 30th so remember this was when this i mean this all goes quick so we're talking when did they go to that conference there's a conference in the fall it's like a month later after the slumber party if that lawyer receives an email from chad because she asked chad to do a, a light dark reading on her family oh, oh on her family this is when Things really get aggressive. On October 30th, 2018, Lori received an email from Chad. So again, right after the slumber party, it said, here are the family history documents you requested. I'm not going to exhaust the list. I'm going to hit on what's important. Okay. But on our social, we'll post the actual email that has all the information in it. He said, the attachments include a matrix explaining how there are light and dark spirits showing the levels. Oh, I got to see that. Chad believes that people are reborn or graduate to the next level when they die. Another attachment lists Lori's family tree, which included readings on her parents, siblings, past husbands, and her kids. Oh, no. In the attachment, Tylee was labeled a 4.1 dark spirit, which 4.1 is close to the end of the spectrum, in oh, a bad it, way. Does it go up to like five or? I believe. And I, I should have looked this up in more detail, but I hadn't slept in like five days. <laughs> <laughs> well, how could you after this case? JJ, who is Lori's adopted son, was listed as a dark spirit level 4.2. Oh my God. Around this time, Lori started telling people she believed her children were zombies. Melanie said that Lori told her she believed a zombie was an individual whose mortal spirit has left their body and their body is now the host of another spirit. The new spirit is dark and puts the person into a limbo that can only be released once the person's physical body is killed. She has crazy pants do a reading of her family. And also, by the way, he said Charles Vallow is has a demon named Ned who lives inside of him, which we'll get to that in a second. Can't call a demon Ned. He said not Ned Flanders. He says Lori, Lori's kids, JJ and Tylee, are both dark spirits level. I, th I think it was four point two. I don't want to misspeak. Yep. I just yep. know it was at the very end of the yep. dark yep. spectrum. Which this means they're zombies. So Lori now believes her two children, Tylee and JJ. Remember, Tylee is her biological mm -hmm. daughter. Yes. JJ is her adopted. Yes. Like not even part of her family. That's from Charles' side of the family. Yes. Are both zombies. They have spirits inside of them who have taken over their being. The only way to release her kids is to kill their physical being. Let's talk a little bit about Chad. I'm going to preface this at the beginning. I said, I think some people are susceptible to being in a cult. Just they have different personality characteristics that make them, I think, easily easier to be manipulated. Chad is none of those things. He is a monster. He graduated from Brigham Young University, BYU, in 1992 with a BA in journalism and worked as 
a cemetery sexton, which is a grave digger. Okay. I had to look that up. I was like, yeah, that's uh, they. They ought to change. Like, oh my the gosh, wording. add necrophilia to this. Yeah, like, they're gonna have to the? change the wording on that one. I think amongst other jobs. Chad was described by those who knew him as quiet but approachable. He had a very disarming personality to him, which made him super approachable, which is terrible for a cult leader oh, because that's yeah. what you don't want them yeah, to be. Yeah, you don't want. <laughs> that's it's. Un- he like, seems that- like a nice guy. Terrible. At a young age, he was very successful in recruiting for the LDS Church, and always boasted the highest conversion rates. He claims. In his early 20s, he was cliff diving and had a near-death experience when he hit a rock. While he was underwater, he opened his eyes and saw the light and said that's when he realized that he was a prophet. Shortly after this accident, Chad met Tammy, who he would marry pretty shortly afterward. She was basically the first girl he had dated. What about Lori? And he just wiped her up. No, Lori is down the road. Down the road, I'm sorry. This is this is this is my time. I got my timeline. Like got my timeline. Lori's only on her third marriage at this point. Yeah, that's right. She's off on her own path right now. Chad and Tammy had five kids together, who I will say still defend their dad to this day. In 2004, Chad founded the Spring Creek Book Company because nobody would publish his garbage, (laughs) and he used this to publish his own end of times uh, writings and other religious books. He has a partner in this venture who was a man identified in the media only as Douglas, who was a graphic artist and also served as his manager. Nothing's ever really been known about Douglas. Other than he's like a Madonna. Seems pretty relevant to me. Chad believed that his writings were more powerful than the LDS church writings. And he believed it would be him and not God who would resurrect a new Jerusalem after the apocalypse. He believed that the temporary site for Jerusalem would be Rexburg, Idaho. There would only be 144,000 people who would be saved. I don't know if that's domestic, U.S., or global. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was, was going to say, this, I, I guy, this guy's got some high hopes that uh, he's uh, he's going to survive he, and not God. That's, uh, that's pretty ballsy to put so out there. We have Chad, who up to this point said he heard a voice telling him to move to Rexburg, Idaho, he moved his wife and five kids there. He believes that his writings are more powerful than the writings of the LDS <laughs> church. He believes that Rexburg, Idaho is going to be the pop-up shop for the new Jerusalem. Yep. <laughs> and only 144,000 people. Again, we're not sure if that's us or global are going to be saved. If this doesn't have cult leader written all over it, just a scotch. On December 5th, 2018. So that's Chad. Okay, so now let's go back. That's our boy Chad. Chad. Let's go back now. We've had him just do the reading of t- of Lori's children and family. The she had the sleep dark side. He has shared that both his children or her children are zombies. They're the walking dead. The only way to save them Take is them to out. kill their physical being. On December 5th, 2018... Chad and Lori appear together on the Prepping a People podcast episode called Time to Warrior Up. <laughs> Don't listen to that either. <laughs> it's make your ears bleed. You'll never get that time back in your life. <laughs> Don't donate it. I could have been better served doing nothing than listening to this. During this time, Lori was texting one of her friends back in Hawaii 
telling them that Charles was basically dead and there was a demon living inside of him and they were just waiting for the demon to die. She said the demon's name was Ned, but also I've read other places that they said the demon's name was Nick. Okay, Nick would make more sense because I I don't know if I've ever heard of a bad guy named Ned. The demon has multiple names, I guess. Ah, There you go. Multiple demons. So now in Lori's life, she has her current (laughs) husband, Charles, who is a demon named Ned. Who's occupied. And you have her kids who are children zombies. (laughs) On January 30th, so things are escalating, right? Yeah, yeah, things are working out December 5th, Chad and Lori are on the podcast together. An important note that Charles traveled a lot for work back to Houston. So there'd be weekends where he'd be out of town for work or during the week and, and Chad would be in town, air quotes, for a conference. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, conferences. On January 30th, 2019, Charles called police because Lori had canceled his flight home from Houston to Arizona. Whoa, Whoa she canceled? How could she cancel? Fly- wow. Well, Ned is not welcome back in Arizona. <laughs> Because his name no doesn't match. Allowed. Because his license doesn't match his, <laughs> his ticket. <laughs> his real name is. He's Ned. an imposter. Lori canceled Charles' flight home from Houston to Arizona. He rebooked it. Well, yeah, I hope so. She had Lori had her brother Alex remove Charles' truck from the airport as well. She also had Alex remove all of Charles' stuff from the home: his clothes, computer, everything. We're seeing now wow. how. Alex, Lori's brother, right? And Mm -hmm. Lori and then Melanie, again, are the trifecta of terror. She cancels this ticket, gets all of his shit out of the house. Removes a truck? Has her brother go remove his truck from the airport parking lot. Oh, my God. Charles called Lori's mom and was like, what the fuck's going on here? And her mother, and even in sins of the mother, she has this level of denial still. I think a part of that is her just protecting herself yeah. because if you don't believe it, then it can't be true. Mm-hmm. And who wants to believe that their, their daughter is capable of this? Yes. Charles calls the police. The body cam footage is available for this. I watched it. The Gilbert police department goes to the home and Charles Vallow is telling this officer that his wife has become unhinged. She thinks she's a resurrected being. She had also, he found out shortly after he got home taken 35 grand or so out of their account. He told police Lori had said she was going to kill him, that he is a demon named Nick Schneider. And they, so he has a first and last name. The demon oh, has a first yeah. last name. Social security Sounds number. Sounds like no middle. <laughs> and she told him the end is coming. Charles is telling the police this. He's he you can see in the, the video footage, he has no idea what to do. Anymore. Yeah, he's, he's completely he, lost. As one would be, you know. He, what do you say to this? Exactly. Point? Like, what, what are you going to do or say? Charles continued to tell the police that she had shared with Charles that Lori was a translated being who cannot taste death and was sent by God to lead 144,000 people into the millennium, which we talked about earlier with our friend Chad. Mm-hmm. Again, those are the 144,000 that are going to be saved. All, all checks out. I don't think there's a waiting list you can get on either. Like, I don't think it's like Ticketmaster where did you put like, your name in. <laughs> did, did they have like a natural gas leak in the house or something that I don't she know. was getting all this info? And again, to be clear, I'm not mocking someone's mental health state. And also everyone has the right to, you can believe whatever you can yeah. believe. What you don't have is the right to utilize your belief to inflict pain or suffering on other people. 
if you want to believe something, okay, fine, but you just don't have the right to use that to impact somebody's human rights, mm-hmm. their liberties, their health, their safety. And we we are going to go so far left in this. Well, yeah, because like we've uh, left the planet. Yeah. Ch- Charles tried to. <laughs> I know. There's no, some Chad, Chad Charles. Cho, Charles. <laughs> All right. Charles tried to bring Lori in for a 72 hour evaluation. So he had called and said, we need we need us. We got to get this checked out. Yeah. He told police that night that they had ordered a pickup for her. So he had called and said, she needs to have a psych evaluation. They agreed and said, okay, we'll issue a pickup for her. They finally get into the house. They have to like break the door down. Like Charles has to kick the garage door in all of his shit's gone. The cops just leave the house because they say that. So they get to the house. The cars are gone. His shit's gone. She's gone. The kids are gone. The cops just leave and say she has the right to take the kids. They tell him if she comes home tomorrow to call the police, they'll come pick her up for the psychiatric hold that's been approved. Okay. Charles knew that Lori would have to take JJ to school the next day. He goes to JJ's school in Chandler. While she's in the school parking lot, he reaches in and takes her purse. It has all of her stuff in it. Mm-hmm. He now, granted, is this technically prob- a, a crime to a point? Yes, but this man is so desperate, and he, oh yeah, he's all of these flags that are missed. It's, oh yeah, it it's so irritating. So Charles reaches into her car, picks up her purse that has her keys and her phone in it. He calls the police and tells them to come pick her up. She has a spare set of keys, oh, so yeah. just peels the fuck out. And later that day, Lori. Tylee and her friend Melanie go to the PD. She brings her daughter. Besides animals being involved in bullshit, having your children involved mm. is the second thing that really pisses me off. You can watch this video. This inter- it's not really an interrogation. You can watch this it's video. An interview. 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 Yeah, exactly. Thank you, honey. And she charms the pants off the cops. It was described as almost a siren. Like um, <laughs> just they're enchanted by God. her. She tells well, the she cops, was in the Miss Texas competition well, years ago. She tells the <laughs> cops that she had caught Charles cheating. So here now we're going to gaslight. Oh. Now we're flipping it. She tells the cops that she caught Charles cheating and she told him that she would have all of his stuff removed and would be gone when he got home. She said she took the kids to a hotel that night. She makes Charles the total villain here. She's a she's a fucking sociopath. She asked the cops to get her purse back. I quote, because she's really mad about her lip gloss being gone. And her and the cop are just laughing together during this video. She admits to taking all this shit. She admits to taking his car, his clothing, computers. And the cop just sits there and is laughing along with the story. You, she's admitting to committing yeah. crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the daughter's sitting right there during this video, this inter- this interview, Tylee's sitting right there. How appropriate is that? It's not. No. The cop, they talk about this, the psych, you know, evaluation. The cop says, we are going to have to pick you up eventually. It's easier if just go there. He's like, just go there and knock it out. You know, whatever. And then you'll be totally fine. So she goes to the psych evaluation, doesn't get committed. They interview her. They interview Charles. Everyone thinks Charles is the crazy one right now. Charles is telling the truth about Lori. 
Lori is such a master manipulator. Everybody thinks that Charles is making this shit up and that he's an adulterer. And she's like the victim and this normal person. At this point, Charles says, screw it, and just bounces to Houston. And he's going to commute back and forth and see the kids. Lori is also at this point telling her son Colby and their family that Charles is this cheater. She saw he's spending money on other girls, that Charles has lost it, and that nobody should talk to Charles. Now she's isolating him Mm. out of the family. I mean, this is emotional abuse 101. Charles at this time is trying to email her family saying that Lori thinks she's a god. He's trying to communicate to them everything that's going on. And she's gotten to the family first and again charm the pants out of them. And they all think Charles is crazy. They're upset with Charles saying that he's dragging them into their, their relationship bullshit to leave them alone. Her mom's defending Lori. Everyone's defending Lori except for one person, Adam. Oh, the other brother. Charles calls Adam and tells him this story. And Adam is a part of the sins of the mother interview. And you can tell he believes Charles. Adam was the only one who had talked to Charles. The rest of the family cut him off. On July 2nd, 2019, Charles finds an email that Lori had sent to Chad saying she was Charles and she wanted Chad to write a book on his behalf about him being a minor league baseball player. This is total code. Yeah. She didn't want Tammy Chad's wife to know they were having an affair. So she's using Charles name. So it doesn't look suspicious. Mm -hmm. Charles sends an email to Adam, the one that we like and tells Adam, he's going to reach out to Chad's wife on Monday and tell her about the affair. Charles is going to reach out to Tammy. The jig is up. I'm going to tell her that Tammy's husband, Chad and his wife, Lori are having this affair. Adam says they should also try to get a PI to take some photos. Yeah. Just to cover your bases. Adam gets it. From the beginning, I wish more people had been like Adam because, again, I think this could have mitigated so much of what's about to transpire. He he knew her very well, so he knew what was going on. Charles finds Tammy's email on Chad's website and he emails her about the affair. Charles then sends a text to Lori saying he emailed Tammy and was going to go talk to Tammy in person and that their shit was busted. This may have been a mistake. Leading, uh, tipping off Lori that he sent this email to Tammy, I feel like... Yeah. Lori responds like a true psycho and says that Charles is overthinking things that Charles and Tammy and Lori are all friends, or I'm sorry that Chad and Lori and Tammy are all friends. Charles needs to move on and leave her alone. Her and Tammy are besties that he's creating this scenario. That's not true. Well, wait until, you know, Tammy gets the email. Adam. Meanwhile, the good brother tells his mom they need to have a family meeting, like an intervention. Adam is totally on team Charles and thinks that Lori has gone off her rocker. Adam flies to Arizona. His plan is to talk to Lori and record it on his phone. He flies there and tries to connect with Alex, but Alex won't return his calls. Lori won't return her call, his calls. Meanwhile, Lori is texting Alex the other brother mm-hmm. telling him that she thinks they're playing intervention. That she knows Adam's in town and she needs Alex's help. But Lori and Alex are having this text communication and Alex responds to Lori that they need to get rid of Ned already. Oh, the demon. Ned is the demon that has squatter rights and Charles body. Right yeah, now. apparently. And that my friends, my true crime family 
is part one, one. of the zombie killing <laughs> cult mom, Lori Vallodaybell. I am definitely. We are just getting started. We're just hitting the tip of the iceberg. Tip I, I of feel, the iceberg. I feel like the second half of the story is only going to get better. It but, is so better or worse depending well, on how, you how you're it. looking on it. Yes. I just, I, I just hopefully Ned survives. Join us next time as we finish up this story. As a reminder, if you subscribe and leave a review and we read your review on our future podcast, you'll be rocking some bad human bling. Boom. Which will be worth a shitload. Probably never. But we believe. But hey, it could end up being a collector's item. That's right. So with that, my true crime family, my friends... <laughs> Our dog just went. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's over it already. Like, when is this pipe dream gonna be yeah. over? <laughs> when are they gonna let it go and give me pets? Right. As always, please remember to be kind, love, and respect yourselves and each other. Like, comment, and subscribe. As always, I am K Mac, and I am of course the answer. Good night. Good night. <laughs>